Thank you for joining Inside the Cages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday Praise and Worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible Study, 7 p.m. And on Saturdays for a temporary time where you can find us on KKLA. That is 99.5 FM on your radio dial. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we are faithful. We're bold. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. I don't know about you this evening, but I am fully persuaded in spite of whatever I might be dealing with, you know, whatever opposition uh, comes my way, because oppositions are going to come. Things are not always going to go the way you think they should go or even how you may have planned for them to go. But even to that, disappointments, heartaches, surprises, things that you that are good and things that are bad. Are you fully persuaded by the word of God? I hope you are. My prayer is that you are fully persuaded and, and I solicit your prayers too. We all need to, if you're going to be saved, and everyone is not going to make it in or be saved or go to heaven as, as some may term it. Um, you know, it, it's important to understand and to be fully persuaded uh, because there are many that uh, believe that everyone is going to be saved. What is the purpose of the church being caught up? And what is the purpose of the tribulation period, which uh, uh, and who are those uh, tens of thousands that Enoch saw uh, coming back with the Lord uh, as he prophesied about uh, early on in his walk with the Lord? Just something to think about, something we should all be meditating on. You know, so many comfortable they're comfortable. I'm a member of the church, so they're comfortable. I'm on auxiliary. They're comfortable. I um, I know uh, pastor. They're comfortable. I know a few scriptures. They're comfortable. Don't be comfortable with the Lord. We go to work. And our jobs, they be there at a certain time. And we're there, even remotely. If they say they want you logged in by eight o'clock, people are scrambling to be logged in by eight o'clock and to maintain those hours. They're not comfortable uh, with their job because they know that there is something, a reward uh, that is that they're looking for. Don't be comfortable with God. He's outlined, God has outlined for us what his expectations are. And he has given to us examples so that we can, that we will pattern ourselves after, or we look at the example and say, that's not a good example. And we know to avoid 
being like that are those individuals. The Bible said that for a group that did not enter into his rest because of unbelief. Because of their mindset, they were comfortable looking at everyone else and how everyone else was doing and they wanted to be like other nations and, and you know, they were, they were just comfortable. Don't get comfortable. And I'm, I'm, I'm my, I endeavor not to be long this evening, but my heart is full. And so, you know, and I'm, there are souls that need to be saved. I hope you share the gospel with someone so that they will they are able to make a well-informed decision about their soul salvation. So many are living presumptuously. You don't want to live presumptuously. I heard the psalmist say, Lord, keep thy servant from presumptuous sin. There are so many that want to do things the way they want to instead of the way God has outlined it. And they look for an escape, a loophole, uh, so to speak. Now, there are no gray areas in, with God. There's no loopholes. His word is what he said it is. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand. None of the apostles were given permission to change the word of God. No one else has been given permission to change, to alter anything about the word of God. You'll find that in Revelation, that if you add to it, there's a problem. If you take away from it, there's a problem. So uh, there are some that have taken away from the word of God and they've added to it. Some have even said that certain things are not necessary for this day and time. Why wouldn't it be when the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but his word is going to stand that I'm God and I change not. The word of God is yet fulfilling. We have not come to the end of the road. Some think we have. Some think that the Old Testament is outdated when the message that is in the New Testament, that which you hear the apostles speaking and others, um, even when they preached Christ, they preached him from the Old Testament. There was nothing else for them to use. So they preached Christ and him crucified from the Old Testament. They preached the coming of the Messiah from the Old Testament. As you read the scriptures, you're reading what they have received when God opened their their uh, their uh, their understanding. Jesus went with them and accompanied them, and and He opened their understanding. And we read scriptures and we cross-reference scriptures that that Peter, James, John, Mark, and um, Matthews, and Paul, and, uh, and Philemon, and others have used, we cross-reference them from the Old Testament. 
which validates the Old Testament is alive. Now we're living in a day and time where some may not believe that, but understand this, everyone will not be saved. The Bible said few there be saved. Few. The Bible said the, the, the broad way, there's a broad way and a narrow way. And it said few that be that find it. And some people don't want to be on a narrow way because it's, that's not as popular as the broad way. But popularity, this is not a popularity contest. This is a soul saving situation. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis, the 15th chapter, verse one. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your word this evening. We ask, Lord God, that you would bless us. Help us, Lord God, to understand, embrace, and to live according to thy will in Jesus' name. Lord God, those that are listening that, that desire to be saved, Lord God, I pray and ask that you would bless them, that you would lead them into a place where uh, locally, that they attend service, be faithful, ask questions, Lord God, and participate, not be spectators, but participate in your word. In Jesus' name, those that are tearing for the Holy Ghost, we pray that you would fill them. Lord God, fill them with your spirit. Whether they woke, let it be their heart's desire. When they lay down at night, let it be their heart's desire. When they rise up in the morning, as they go through their day working, uh, whether it's in school, college, vocation, whatever it is, the heart desire, Lord God, is, Lord, fill me with your spirit and the evidence as you did in the days of old. In Jesus' name, amen. The 15th chapter of Genesis, the first verse says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and I proceeding in thy exceeding great reward. Now, as you know, we're in the book of Genesis, touching what is referred to as the law of particularization, moving from the general to the particulars, the universe, earth, man, and spirit. We're touching the creation and the principal person who is the cosmological, the cause of all things, and the teleological, the, the intelligence, the designing mind behind everything. Abram had a vision. And in this vision, the Lord had come to him and told him, I'm your shield in your exceeding great reward. Uh, let's talk about a greater reward. There is a greater reward than what we look at. Sometimes we forget to look at the big picture and we focus on the immediate gratification instead of thinking about um, residual rewards we think about what we see in the moment. Well, let's use a car for an example. You see a nice car, let, you have a car. You have a car and you might even consider your car to be a bucket. Now, my car is a bucket. 
And I refer to it as a bucket. It's a bucket on wheels. And so um, it's nothing new. I keep it clean. I keep it vacuumed out. Uh, my grandson say, Pop, how come I can't eat in your car? Because I want it to stay clean. It's my bucket. So it, I see something newer. Maybe you've seen something newer, even though you have a nice bucket. It's your bucket. It's paid for. Or maybe you have a few payments left on it. But you see something else and you want to buy it. When the one you have is still good. Now, when I say good, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to go to the shop and get minor repairs. It doesn't matter what you purchase. You're going to have to maintain it. You're going to have to maintain it. And so you're going to have to take it in to be serviced, oil change, all of that. Something's going to break on it. No matter how new it is, I've seen brand new vehicles torn, uh, fell apart, had to be towed in. So nothing is exempt. And for those that don't know, ladies, understand something. Um, gentlemen, you too, is that parts on cars are not made to last forever. They're made with a temporary life cycle uh, so that you will have to come in because the, uh, the um, money that's being made is being made on repairs. So the one you still good, you might have to take it in, get it fixed a little time, you know, and preventive maintenance helps a lot with whatever you have, whether it's old or new. But listen, all buckets, despite the insignia placed on them, will eventually depreciate. Uh, depreciation occurs as soon as you drive it off the lot, it depreciates. If some cars fade in color, you've had it, it fades, you know, the paint is, it was sparkling and looked very well when you first got it eventually it fades you know it becomes uh, wear and tear over time scratches different things occur you know and there's preventive measures for that uh, you're going to have a few mechanical problems no matter how much you spent leased or traded favors to obtain something is going to occur the bigger picture suggests keeping your present vehicle. You know, a car is a tool. It's a tool. It's the tool to get you where you need to go, when you need to be there on time, it gets you to work on time, get you to the market on time, um, allow you to take take your, your, your lady on a date, you know, uh, make and certainly don't have her standing waiting for you to to pick her up. That should never ever occur. Matter of fact, uh, gentlemen, if you're not working and she is, let her take the car. You don't need to take her to the location, drop her off, then go home, then come back pick her up, then go back home again. That's wear and tear on the vehicle. What do you think? Uh, unless she do just absolutely do not know how to drive, why would you do that? Or are you scared she's going to go somewhere else? It, love is not going to allow that to happen. And, and so the bigger picture, the big picture, the big picture. I, I remember when I was I was unemployed and we had the car. And at that time, those years ago, I, I didn't take the car. I rode the bus. I didn't mind riding a bus and to get where I needed to go. I didn't mind taking that time to, you know, and talking to everybody along the way, whether they wanted to talk or not, 
But listen, keep the present vehicle that is almost already paid for and grow your bank account. Put the money in the bank. Why give it away? If you had all the money that you spent on a new car right now, how much better would you be if you would have kept that bucket, that previous bucket? It's nice to look at the money while adding to it than watching it continually go to someone else. The Bible said, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, don't be afraid. Abram, don't, I mean, don't be afraid. I'm not shield an exceedingly great reward. So let's just stop for a moment. Take some more time and think about this. You know, Abram had been through some things. Maybe you've been through some things. Maybe something else, those that are listening, might somebody uh, may go through something soon. I don't know. But we can look at and remember that someone else has been there and done that. I've certainly been through some things. I've been there and done that in a number of areas. So you've been through some things. He heard the word of God. He responded to his word. We know that because he left home. He left his family with the exception of Lot that went with him and his friends and journeyed on to the place where God had told him to go. In the process, Abram and Sarah lied about some things during their journey. Yep, that was not, we know that, that telling a lie is not cool, but we see that Abram did that. He exaggerated, you know, so, uh, so he's not, he still had a ways to go as far as his learning, uh, but it didn't stop God from dealing with him. He was told off by some folks on his journey because Pharaoh was not happy about the plague that that their that their land that the people had to endure because of what Abraham uh, told him or what Abram told him, Abram, the Hebrew. He also received blessings too because Pharaoh blessed him and told him to get out of the land, get out of here. He had some argument with family and friends. Lot and his his servants was arguing with um, with uh, Abram servants over uh, watering holes and grazing and different things. And Abram said, "No, we're not going to do that." He got into a fight, and even a uh, a few, you know, um, Lot got into a fight. Well, he was involved. He was taken captive. But Abram got into the fight, too, uh, with a few that, that helped him and rescued his nephew. All while listening and hoping for the promise, he said, I believe to receive. So you're going to deal with some things even while you believe to receive the promise of God. Now, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, an exceeding great reward. 
after what things? The scenarios that, uh, that I just mentioned. Notice none of those things swayed the Lord. None of those things mentioned caused the Lord to look at Abram differently. He knew Abram. He knew how he would be. He knew how he would act, just like God knew how you would act as well. He knew everything about us prior to. So Abram the Hebrew, and remember, he's, he's called a Hebrew before the name Israel existed. He was in confrontation. And he met a man that had no beginning or end, no mother, no father, who broke bread and served wine to him. Abram shared some of what he had with the one that, uh, as we know, as Melchizedek. And we're not going to talk uh, anything about Melchizedek this evening, except the fact that he was the king of Salem, Hebrews 7, uh, beginning at verse 1. Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descendant, having neither day, beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God abideth a priesthood continually. So Abraham actions and things that occurred with him did not prevent God from speaking to him. Now, when I look at this, now I wonder if Job, and we've all heard about Job and his suffering, you know, and I believe Job knew the Lord and I believe he knew the word of the Lord. Now, there may not have been the written word, but there was the um, the inspiration and there was the prayers and there was dreams and visions that God used to communicate with those that would hear him. So Job, the word of the Lord, and that he was the protector and exceeding great reward. Now, I believe that. I believe that Job... I believe God to be his protector and exceeding great reward, even though the scripture that we've read did not exist. Now, exceeding means what? Greater than, surpassing whatever you can think of as a reward, higher than, beyond whatever you entertain, above everything. Job had a wife, he had family. He had friends and he had money. Job had life experience and he exercised some good sense. I want to say common sense, but I want to say he exercised good sense. You know, as you mature, thank you, Jesus. As you mature, you gain life experience and you should practice some common sense. You know, there's a difference in the maturing of female and male. Uh, females usually mature earlier than, than men. Uh, that is what science has, has uh, dictated, shown, proven in, in many instances. And then you have some very mature men that listen to 
a good sense. Listen to those that have been there and done that and give them good sense. So uh, my point is that it's good to be, you might be foolish in a young age, but don't be older. You know, you, you expect someone young to be foolish and make do certain things, but, and they may not, but to be older and to do foolish things is different. You know, they call it midlife crisis. I don't understand. I'm fully not acquainted with that midlife crisis theory and how that works, but I've seen some things that people said, hey, it was a midlife crisis and they're still trying to recover and some will never get back what they had. Even as things spiral out of control, Job 1, 20, 21. Then Job arose and went, rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord give and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job understood that everything he obtained Anything that you obtain, anything that I have, anything that you will have, no matter how much value you place on it, you didn't come here with it. You got it after the fact. And you will not put it in your pocket and take it with you. And you will not put it into your mouth, your ear, or any other um, place with you. It's going to stay. Now, you might hide it, but it's not going with you. OK, the only thing that goes with you out of time into eternity is when you embrace. When you embrace what God is saying, and that's what the Lord is depending upon. And, you know, we, we talked about God's place is my space uh, on Sunday. We talked about how we look at God's place and and uh, and, and we take residence there. It becomes my space. And so, you know, it's important because Job understood that too. And he took residence in what God had. And, you know, I believe that Job feared the Lord. Certainly he did. And knew that he was a shield and exceeding great reward. What do you do when things spiral out of control? Because we see that Job, things certainly spiraled out of control. It hit him unexpectedly. He did not know that it was going to happen. It happened. It caught him off guard. What do you do when things are out of control? Maybe it's a divorce that happens. Yes, in the church and outside the church and in the church. Divorce happens. What do you do when people are talking about you? I'm going to stick with in church. People talking about you in the church. Now, understand something, listeners, saints, friends, understand something. People are not perfect. Everyone is imperfect. Now, you might perfect some areas, but you're imperfect in other areas. And that's all right. But what do you have when you have the people that you trusted, you have some confidence in, and they're talking about you because of the situation that you're dealing with. Even falsely accuse you. Says some things 
about you that was not true. Maybe lost some money, received a pink slip. Others laughed in your face and, you know, all the time behind your back, they were doing something else. What do you do when things spiral out of control? And that list can go on and on. And I'm sure all of us might have a story. And God bless you if you don't have one. Keep living. But things happen. You're going to have some good people in your life and you're going to have some people that will side with, with what they don't understand. And, and because they're siding on, a, on, a, on what they don't understand and taking a side to it, then it could be disappointing. Many of us, many of us, including you, will retain some level of integrity. Now, I say that because it's important. Uh, I want you to, to, to receive that because it, your integrity is everything. When you are right, righteous, I'm not talking about self-righteousness. Self-righteousness will justify your actions even when you're wrong. But I'm talking about when you're right, when you're living right, you're doing what is right. You know, I found myself in a situation and I didn't know what to do. And based upon what was being said, I started to feel that maybe I did something wrong. Things had spiraled out of control. And one day I was standing in the aisle of the church and my pastor at that time walked by me and said, you did not do anything wrong. And it lifted a burden off of me. It lifted a heavy load off of me. Not only that, but the person that had wronged me came one day and in their form of trying to apologize, said you did nothing wrong. Now, self-righteousness will take you down a different path. Self-righteousness will have you justify your every action instead of you waiting to be justified. God knows how to justify you. God is our measuring meter. And you need to let him measure you, not you yourself. Now, you ought to understand and know that you're not doing anything deliberately incorrectly. Okay, you're not doing anything wrong on purpose. And if someone tells you you're doing something wrong, check yourself. Don't 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 get offended. Check. Thank you for letting you know that you need to and go do it. It doesn't mean that things will not spiral out of control because you are righteous. We, we're looking at Job here. Job focus on on uh, what was right. Now, the Bible said in all that Job, in all this, Job, things are spiraling out of control. Things are going crazy. And all this, Job did not sin. So anyone that tell you, well, you know, you're human, you know, and uh, wah, wah, wah. No, Job did not sin. The Bible said that. Neither did Job charge God foolishly. Now, there are so many people that look at the Lord and say, and, and Lord, you're wrong. The people tell him you're wrong. You know, my, 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 the cat ate my fish. The dog ate my cat. Then the dog ran out in the street and got hit by a car. Lord, you're wrong. Job did not charge God foolishly 
for his loss. We are Job lost finances. Job suffered the loss of livestock. He suffered the loss, the ultimate loss of his children. Job suffered. Things spiraled out of control and he didn't know what to do. But the Bible said, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Though that was not written, Job in his heart knew that God was his shield and God was his great reward. I made, Job had made a covenant to show you his mindset. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? In other words, I'm married. Why should I be checking someone else out? Why should I be looking at someone else's boo? For what portion of God is there from above and what inheritance of the almighty from on high is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Do not he see my ways and count all my steps? God know me. And that's what you want. You want God to know you. You need someone to vouch for you here and now. And that is the Lord. I can vouch for those that the, the sheep that are in my fold. I can vouch for them because I, I pray for them and I, I see, uh, you know, I see things about them. I dream things and, and understand things that whatever God shows me as a shepherd. You need someone to be able to validate you. He sees your ways and he counts all your steps. Do he see that you respect him and know him as, as the protector, as the shield and exceeding great reward? And now Job made that promise that, that I won't look at another woman, but ladies, you need to also think about and need to make a promise too. Uh, you're not exempt. And they like to dog, put the, put call guys, dogs and different things. And, you know, but, uh, and I, I'm going to say this, but we all know what um, they call a female dog too. We need to be careful because when I read and I've read in the scripture and it, it broke my heart, it really stirred my mind up on how unfair we are to God. Now, I'm only going to read a few verses here from Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. He said, but thou didst trust in thy own beauty. Now, the Lord had cleaned Israel up. He's talking about talking to Israel, the church. I've cleaned you up. I saw you polluted in your own blood and I cleaned you up. I took care of you when no one else would feed you and, and, and you know, beautify you. I did all of that. But thou trusted in thy own beauty. Now, now you're looking good. You're all cleaned up and everything. And you and you play in the harlot because of your own renown because you think you look good and you poured out that fornication on everyone that passed by. So you flirting with everybody except the one that you should be flirting with your spouse. Thou played the whore also with the Assyrians because thou was unsatisfied. Yet you played the harlot with them and yet could not be satisfied. So you couldn't get enough of what you were doing and it became a, a habit. And you couldn't stop. But as a wife committeth adultery, 
would take it to strangers instead of her husband. So the Lord is talking to Israel about his displeasure and, you know, and because they, the bigger reward, when you focus on the bigger picture of things, you're not quick to run out and do things that's going to harm what you have. You know, uh, the church, the bride of Christ, uh, us today, uh, have we profaned the name of the Lord? And you call yourself a Christian or whatever term you want to use, uh, a saint of God. And that's some people don't like saying saint. Uh, God calls his people saints. He's never referred to them as Christian. And you won't find that in the Bible. You'll find where when they went to a certain place, they were teased and taunted. It was called Christians. And then Paul, Peter said, if you're teased and taunted um, in that form, you know, to take it, he instructs the church how to take it. But throughout the scriptures, his people are called, referred to as saints. And people don't like using that because they feel that that deals with righteousness, holiness. And it's supposed to, because the Lord has called us all to be holy as he is holy. And he didn't call us to think I'm better than you. I'm, you think you're so good. No, I don't think I'm so good. Neither should you think you're so good. Uh, you, you know, all is sin and come short of the glory of God. We're saved by the grace of God. And if it wasn't for his grace, we would not be who we are today. Are we or have we profaned the name of the Lord? Are the standards of the church, have they been lowered? But lowered only uh, to a certain level so that it stays above what others are doing so we can say that we're, we haven't gone that low. Well, God never said lower the standards. But people have excused themselves and say that, well, God don't mind. He wants us to have fun, you know. Uh, he wants us to have friends. He wants us this and that, you know, and they this is going on and on with all of the excuses that they can think of to justify themselves. Now, I believe Miss Job and uh, Mr. Job and Mrs. Job understood God's place and made it their space as well. Now, as Miss Job watched her husband suffer, she reached a where she wanted him out of his misery. And I've heard messages, I've heard people talk about, well, you know, she, uh, the devil used her. Look, how many of your loved ones that you've seen or maybe heard others talk about um, don't prolong their misery? When my father was on his, he was not returning. He was on his bed. He was on his way out, but he was holding on. There's something about the spirit of humans, uh, our spirits, and he was holding on. And they were trying to give him pain. He was skin and bones at this time. And I'm standing there next to him. I spent uh, two weeks with him. Well, I won't say two weeks. Let's just say 10 days, about 10 days with him. Um, watching him and sitting with him and, and just being there with him and being in the house. And he would not, he was not going anywhere until his wife left. About a few days, those days that went by and finally was able to get her to leave and go to the store. I had spoke with the family and said, we have to allow him to leave.
he's in suffering. Who's going to take care of him if he's here and in this state? What nursing home? What, I mean, what finance? You know, we weren't talking about money. We were just talking about his wealth. Who's going to be able to take care of him? And he's skin and bones. He's lived as the, the cancer has eaten him up and we're making him stay here and suffer. He's in pain. It's time to let him go. And so tearfully, yes. She got dressed and she went to the store. She wasn't, she hadn't even driven a half a block and he started to transition because she left and called her back. And we all stood with, there with him as he took his last breath. Miss Joe was watching her husband suffer, deteriorating, boil, sores. And she's also grieved in her spirit because everything that was lost was her loss. The children were gone. That was her loss. The money was gone. That was her loss. Everything, the ridicule and the accusations that were made against him. That wasn't just, he, he was impacted by, she was impacted too. She didn't leave him. She grieved. Those are her children too. She was broken as well. Some of you are in good relationship, but don't appreciate what you have and won't until it's too late. Now I've seen this for myself. I've witnessed this. You know, you, you know, I've heard people say, you know, you was a love of my life, but why would you cheat or disgrace or do something wrong against the love of your life? If it was truly the love of your life. All right, let's go. Uh, they say, well, you know, uh, can we go somewhere and talk? But years have gone by or even, you know, <laughs> people will say I made a mistake, but you were making that mistake for well over a year and didn't want nobody to tell you to stop. You wouldn't stop. Now, selfishness, and we're talking about the big picture, we're talking about uh, God being a shield and the exceeding great reward. When we look at the big picture, Selfishness or selfish nature of men and women are not godly attributes. And usually when we do things that we know is going to impact our relationship with God, our relationship with someone else, it is selfishness. And the Bible, it points this out. The Bible said that don't, when, don't say when you're tempted, you're tempted of God. No man is tempted of, to sin uh, by the spirit of the Lord, but it's something within your own heart. It's something that you have not dealt with. It's something deep on the inside that keep trying to bubble up and you know it's there, but yet you're not working to get rid of it. You keep pushing it down, but you're not really trying to get rid of it. And so eventually one day it is going to show up in a bad way. The Bible tells us in Luke, the 12th chapter, about the 16th verse, it says, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man bought, brought forth plentiful. And we're talking about uh, the Lord. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram. And tonight, the word of the Lord is coming to you. It's not in a vision, but it's through the audible sound of my voice. Whether you hear it uh, this evening or tomorrow or on your way to work or 
at whatever appropriate time that you listen to it, the word of the Lord came unto you, saying, fear not. Put your name there. I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. And so uh, this man, the Lord speaks a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. I don't have any areas. Uh, matter of fact, what I've received has been so much that I have, uh, wow, I need to build me some more barns. And, and so um, this is wonderful. I'm sure he felt it was wonderful. He said, uh, this will I do. I, I know what I'm going to, I have a plan. I have a plan. Guess what, you guys? I have a plan. I'm going to build greater barns. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I'm going to, I'm going to put this, I'm going to bank it. I'm going to stack this cheddar. There's nothing wrong with this. The man was doing, he was handling business as we all should be handling business now. And I will say to my soul, soul, it's all right to talk to yourself too, for those that, that don't know. Yeah. Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thy ease, go on chill now. You, you, you have enough. You've hit the lottery. You can eat, drink, and be merry. It doesn't matter how much you take from the lottery or whatever your lottery is that you walk away with, you know, the figures that, that you can say, I can chill now. I don't have to worry about medical expenses. I don't have to worry about uh, uh, resources. Matter of fact, I have enough that I can share with others. You will never take none of that with you. And if you are not seeing him, the Lord, I'm not talking about with the words of your mouth. The Bible said that people honor him with their mouth, but their heart is far from him. I'm talking about when you're into this. Are you all in this evening? But God said to him, because he said he's going to eat, drink, take it easy and stuff. God says, thou fool, this night thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? All that you have laid up the bonds, which you, you've provided for someone else. So he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. It means much more, our lives mean much more than the substance of things that we have here. God is not against those things. So don't think that. God's not against, Abram was rich. He was well-to-do. Sarah was happy. She had what she needed. She had what she needed both mentally, emotionally, and physically. She had what she needed. Can you let go and look at the bigger picture this evening? Don't focus on everything, the immediate self-gratification of nothing. I don't care if it's physical. I don't care if it's emotional. I don't care if it's... Don't look at the self-gratification of what is going to tickle you, that's going to make you feel good. 
that is outside of what God has available. Because the Lord told Abram in a vision, just as I'm telling you, I'm thy shield and exceeding great reward. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're focusing on, is who God is to us. What he means to us when we lay down at night, when we rise up in the morning, as we go through our day. Lord, you're my, you're my protector. You're my exceeding great reward. No matter what happens with me, to me, what's said to me, Lord, you're it. I'm not going to let anything persuade, uh, sway me from who you are to me. I'm not going to let that happen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word this evening, Lord God. Lord Jesus, my prayer is that, that everyone that is listening now and later will be persuaded, will know and understand that there's much more. There's much more and that you are the, the, the ultimate. You're the, you're the greatest, you're the ultra reward that we have and to embrace and to know this to walk with that comfort to walk in that confidence Lord God that no matter what you're it you are it you're the beginning you are the end and we respect you and we honor you for who you are Lord keep our minds stayed on you you said you'll keep us in peace if our minds stay on you, Lord God. So bless your people, Lord, to keep their minds in the right place. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, want to encourage you that if, if you have prayer requests, visit our website. You know, submit a request. If you have um, questions about scriptures that have been talked about, or maybe you're you're reading a scripture, you're studying book of Genesis and you know maybe you're in something another book or in the book of Genesis following along and you have a question what has been said uh, maybe you want to share a testimony uh, your prayer will be be responded to your question will be answered on the air we love to uh, for you to share your testimony and encouragement with us and so uh Visit us at ConnectingTrue.org. Until then, be blessed. The Lord say the same. We'll be back on Sunday morning talking about the uh, seventh day. Uh, if you have not or if you've read the book of Revelation or maybe you uh, stayed away from it because you felt it was a little overwhelming, uh, we'll be talking about that at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, Understanding Revelation which is one of the books that was written and published at the end of December. It's a high view, but not such a high view that you can't use it or understand it. Um, you know, I like reading dummy books. I, I'm reading the dummy book right now about Python programming. And I've used dummy books quite often to understand things because it breaks it down. And so this is a similar uh, type uh, way of understanding Revelation. And so, again, continue to pray for me as I am praying for you. Be blessed. Share the word of God with someone else. Know that the Lord is your exceeding and great reward.
Now, I do see comments here. Hello. God bless you. Thank you for joining us, saying hello. Uh, good evening to all. Those that are starting a day, have a wonderful day. <laughs> 